politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for life, liberty, and property in Ukraine. Oh no, whoops, I meant in America. Here at CR Podcast, this is your host, Daniel Hurwitz. Back here today, February 24th, Thursday. This is, by the way, the day in, date in history that Colonel Travis requested reinforcements at the Alamo to defend Texas. We have our people crying out for reinforcements. We have a trucker convoy now going on. Notice, nothing of what I'm saying is in the news so far. And yet we have CPAC. Oh, the annual hippy-dippy fake conservative get-together. Now it's in Florida. And there's literally no reinforcements. And the focus is going to be on everything but where it should be. The fight for liberty will be everywhere but where it should be. There's a lot to untangle. We haven't done foreign policy in a long time because of what's going on. And I always had a saying, foreign policy doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. It's not this or that, this or this. Are you for Russians, for Ukraine? And it's not even that simply Russia and Putin and Ukraine and, and whatever else he does for further expansion and hegemony it's not that they don't matter. It's not that Putin is not a looming menace or a threat in, a, in any way. I think he is in some way. It's that the very reason he is a threat and the reason we are out of options is precisely because we have all failed to deal with the bigger systemic problems domestically here at home. Corruption in our own government, dictatorships on our own front, war on energy development at home, the rotting out of our military, the licentious culture. That's why if we don't deal with the antecedent of the food chain of misery, Nothing will matter anyway. It's, so that's the point. It's not just that the genocide here at home, you heard yesterday's show with Brooke Jackson, they knew that this was a fraudulent trial. We now have German data, life insurance, health insurance, military data. It's all coalescing around hundreds of thousands of deaths, millions of injuries, and this is just the short term. Did Putin go and poison every American body? No. So, But it's not just that this is more important than what's going on there. And unfortunately, what's going on there is going to serve as a distraction for any hope of rectifying our problems domestically. What I want to examine today is how those very elements are part and parcel of why Putin doesn't fear America, why he'll be able to expand and do what he wants without a deterrent. Because of the corruption stupidity of our government— the weeniness of our culture, the rotting out of our military, the replacing of fossil fuels with windmills and, and, and solar, which gave Putin you know, his, his monopoly as a, as a petro-tyrant. All of it is actually here in one. So we're going to discuss the news of the day without getting sidetracked and, and off message because it's all one. Now, part of having a 2020 vision on foreign policy, you first have to have 2020 vision in your eyes, that's why I recommend Better Spectacles, our sponsor for today, um, the uh, gold standard company for eyeglasses. They now have GoSpecs lenses that use advanced algorithms from more than a million patients measuring 7,000 points in the eye. The result is more energy, no neck strain, and the ability to help you see 40% better. Do like I did and go to betterspectacles.com conservative and schedule yourself a tele-optical appointment so you don't have to leave your house and wear... Uh, a muzzle on your face that will certainly scare off Putin. Uh, they're offering my audience an introductory 61% off Ghostbacks lenses plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. Go now to betterspectacles.com slash conservative for better vision. So what's frustrating from my end is watching all of these, certainly the left, that's for sure. But but even some of my fellow colleagues, the legacy conservative voices, and I'll leave it at that. The legacy traditional conservatives that are very nostalgic about the world exactly the way it was in the 1980s and the threats exactly as it was and everything's about NATO and Russia and Soviet Union. They're like, Daniel, Ukraine, Ukraine, as if it's like a punchline. I'm like, 
dude, don't look at me. What, what do you want from me? You're the one who stood by idly as they rotted out our military. Do you, do you think he fears our military? Okay? You stood by idly as we had a worse than a Putin rise in America. And you went along, depending on who we're talking about, either they were silent or downright supported all or some aspects of COVID fascism. They did nothing to support our state sovereignty project about energy independence, right? It's one of our nullification bills is to nullify any federal regulation banning drilling. So we don't have enough energy independence. So we don't have that leverage. Our military is a toilet. So, yeah, I I don't know. Now, there's a lot of false dichotomies. We we talked about this a lot with... um, Sunni Shia civil wars, you know, you'd have um, Sunni Shias, and you're like, you're genocidal if you allow the Shiites to do that. Well, okay, but then you're supporting the Sunnis, right? So foreign policy is very complicated. As always, you're going to hear from me an independent, logical way of thinking because too often people respond to each other in a way that creates false dichotomies, like, Oh, you know, if you don't uh, support Ukraine, which no one, I want to get to that. What does it mean to support Ukraine? To do what? If you push them, they don't really tell you to, to do what? What do you want us to do? Um, but it's like, oh, then you, you support Putin. But then conversely, you'll, you will have some people that more or less will articulate my vision. And this is where kind of Tucker is. And he'll downright say things like, Putin's awesome. Putin's going to save us. Well, I support Putin. And again, it's a false dichotomy. What should we care about? What shouldn't we? What could we do? What what could we not do? But more importantly, what is the cause and what should be our focus? So let's unpack all of that. Ukraine itself, I don't give a darn. Okay? They don't deserve our support. They never did. Um, It's a complicated situation. There's a lot of ethnic Russian areas. Um, They have a corrupt government. We have pumped so much money into them and gotten nothing for it. You never support a weak, a weak fake ally that borders directly a strong adversary. Okay, you just don't do that. Okay, so we did stupid things. We added 14 countries to NATO after 1997 when we should have been focusing on China and at least Islamofascism. We were still playing war games with Russia. So we needlessly ticked off Russia and then kept adding and adding and adding and then going further and further and then de facto almost adding Ukraine to to NATO. Everyone's NATO. Everything's NATO. That was the only so-called tough thing our governments have done. Western former democracies, Europe and America and Canada, right? But then on every other front, they were a bunch of weenies. They replaced fossil fuels with solar and win. So they made themselves beholden to Russia. In fact, the German corporations and government dealt with them. So they sold their souls to Russia. So they need them. They relied on them. They rotted out their respective militaries. They homosexualized and feminized their militaries. Russia laughs at them. They create mass psychosis formation for two years, making our people terrified emotionally, physically, and and mentally damaged. They install authoritarianism on our home front. They focus on transgenderism, critical race theory, global warming, and all that. So we lost our resolve. We lost our soul. We lost our military. We lost our economy. We lost our energy independence. Oh, but we poked Russia. Whether you agree or not, but that's what we did. It's like, oh, look, Ukraine. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, yeah. I mean... So I don't care about Ukraine. I do care about, you know, I do believe Putin is not the only, not the biggest, but one of several menaces at, on the global front because clearly he's not going to stop at Ukraine. And eventually it will clearly affect us, certainly trade and economically, and obviously we're going to see it in the pricing. But that's not my fault. You get me like, Daniel, you need to stop focusing on rebuilding democracy and liberty and strength and culture in our military and energy independence in America, you need to focus on Ukraine. Because 
It's the lack of focus on the former that created the latter. And once we're in this predicament of no fault of our own, then what do you want us to do anyway? The cause of it is our lack of focus on our own government and our own domestic, cultural, economic, energy strength, liberty at home. And we're not going to solve problems like Russia until we deal with that. So that's why we're going to continue focusing on what we're going to focus on here. In short, it's not that Putin's not a problem. I think he is in some ways. I hate the Russians, I always will. It's that Putin is the end result of corrupt Western governments. So the people crying about him now need to look in the mirror because they created that. Now look, (laughs) someday we might have to find elsewhere to live because we have Putins here. One place you might want to look is Panama, our sponsor, International Living, at buypanamanow.com slash conservative. They're giving away 100% free to my audience. A complete guide of invest and retire in Panama, including the American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama, along with four videos, all for free. In Panama, your dollar, they have the dollar as currency. It's worth 10 times more. So just to invest in land, you will be 10 times richer in a place like Panama. Given what's going on economically, geopolitically, something you might want to check out. It's buypanamanow.com slash conservative. So folks, People are not explaining to me, what do they want to do? Okay? You cannot rally around a flag and a government and a military that doesn't exist. For a country that its own government and military doesn't really exist. So when you press them like a little bit harder, they'll say, oh, no, we don't mean to get involved militarily. We mean to arm them. We already were arming them, and to what avail? There's nothing to arm. There's nothing to arm. I mean, Ukraine's not quite as bad, but it's pretty similar to what we've experienced in the Islamic world the last 20 years. There's nothing... It's it's a Slavic ethnic mix, kind of like an Islamic ethnic mix. There's no clean play to be made that that your sacrifice is going to be sustainable. What are we going to do there? Oh, so then then they fall back on on the on the classic thing, special ops. Like like that, that that's always their thing. Oh no, I don't support American troops going there just special ops. To do what? They don't understand the purpose of special ops. To what end? That's the point. You know, the very people the very hippy-dippy, green-haired people that were forcing masks on children, kicking our greatest warriors out of the military, and believe me, they were the ones that didn't want to get the shots. They were the best ones kicking them out of the military. They're the ones who suddenly now want to use our military to fight Ukraine. Daniel, Ukraine, Ukraine. But these are also the same people that voted out Trump. Notice how Trump was accused of being a Russian agent, but somehow Russia, Putin never did this on his watch. Isn't that interesting? Wouldn't Putin do this on the watch of his ally, his agent, right? Biden was the big, tough guy to stand up to him. Why would he wait? Moreover, people forget one of the biggest boons to, to Putin was the Iran deal that opened up that tr- those trade avenues, and Russia has been supplying Iran with all that stuff, all the relinquishing of sanctions, Russia, Trump vitiated the Iran deal. Biden brought it back. That was always the most bizarre thing of Trump being accused of being an agent of Russia. And look, you know I've been hard on Trump recently. I think his domestic policy sucked. His foreign policy was peace through strength for the most part. There were some mistakes. But, you know, he vitiated the, the, the Iran deal. That's the key. Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is Biden literally, and then, and then the big thing is um, energy independence. Okay, we were on our way to crushing Russia on energy. We could have supplied all of Europe. We were approaching 13, 000, uh, 13 million barrels a day production. Our production was record. Our refinery capacity was, was record. Our exports were record, both of oil and um, liquid natural gas. 
And then Biden came in for, well, first COVID fascism, which did start under Trump, shut down our production, blunted all that momentum. We still haven't made up where we were 2019, early 2020 in terms of production of both uh, gas and oil and everything. Biden has stopped the Keystone Pipeline, the safest thing coming from Alberta, safest environmentally, safest national security and allies-wise. When He stopped the pipelines, stopped the drilling permits, crushed everything, the stupid ethanol stuff that, that crushes our refineries. So that was our big leverage. Now we're screwed. I mean, what, what do you want me to tell you? That's a function of of a corrupt government here. It used to be you rally around the flag because you might disagree domestically, you disagree on tax levels, certain regs, certain policies. And that's okay. But when you have a government that is taking political prisoners, that's banning First Amendment, banning bodily integrity, destroying our civilization, elevating Pfizer to put poison in our bodies, and we're going to get to the latest news on that. There's nothing to rally behind. That's worse than anything Putin has done. Again, it's not a false dichotomy. It's not that Putin is not a problem. I am concerned about him. I'm concerned when you have bad people taking advantage. China is the much bigger problem. China is certainly a threat. Illegal immigration is certainly a threat. All this stuff is a problem. But we can't even deal with that. Like, I'm, I'm certainly a China hawk. I'm the biggest China hawk around. But we can't do anything with them until we get rid of and reform our own government. I think national divorce, at least national separation and state sovereignty is the only way forward because our government is an agent, is a client state of China. Our government was in bed with Putin too. And it's not Trump. It's our whole apparatus. Anyone who banned drilling and fossil fuels and coal in favor of of solar and wind, you, my friend, are the agent of Putin. So these are all, Putin is one of many, many, many geopolitical, cultural, emotional, mental, physical health, economic consequences of having corrupt, anarcho-tyrannical, Western-style fascist governments across all of Western former democracies, not just America. So yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Usually I'm going to have a whole bunch of plans and this and that, do this, do that. I'm an ideas guy. I don't know what you do other than we got to deal with the antecedent to the problem. Understand what our FBI is and our CIA and our Pentagon. Transgenderism, feminism, woke, this, critical race theory, everything's racist. Global warming this, fossil fuels are racist that. Spy on Americans, treat criminals like like citizens, citizens like criminals. Open border, flooding our country with the worst elements of the world. Putin's looking at our own freaking border and it's worse than, our our border is more porous and less sovereign than the freaking Ukrainian border. Do you think, I'm all for deterring Putin. How? With what? With what? It doesn't make me pro-Putin. You're pro-Putin. You caused this. And then, yeah, there is the moral just measure and scale of outrage and concern. Like, um, um, it bothers me because where is he headed with this? But I could get you focused on anything in in, in foreign policy and, and show you why it's a big deal and I wouldn't be lying. But in the scheme of things... I can't relate to some of these conservative talkers that they literally, like, l- l- let me take one example. The minute they said they were going to mask children in school, what the, I mean, where was the, ma- where's the outrage? Where's the testosterone? Some of them were either silent or downright supported it. But Ukraine, they're like gangbusters. I don't get it. It just doesn't make sense. There's so off message. State sovereignty is the most important thing. Electing people like Don Huffines as governor of Texas. It's more important than ever. 
because it's not just the sovereignty is not just about liberty and protecting us from the feds and COVID fascism. It's oil. Where do you think the oil is? Places like Texas and Oklahoma. One of my biggest action items that I think is the most important thing. All these Republicans that won't listen to me to defy the feds on all their illegal activity here at home. But Ukraine's the big thing now. Okay, fine. Let me indulge that. Well, what's the most important ramification of Ukraine? Gas prices, energy prices, food prices, everything going up. Now, to be clear, most of that is built upon the destruction of our economy because of COVID fascism. It all gets back to that. Right? I mean, this is just the latest trigger, but it's built on... The reason we're having inflation is not because of Ukraine. But you know what? You know what the solution is? All these neocon, fake establishment, Republicans, legacy conservatives, are they going to join me in calling on these governors to circumvent all of Biden's eco-energy regs and start a massive Manhattan project to drill baby drill um, for all fossil fuels, pipelines, um, exporting? Defy the feds if you care that much. Hey, Mitch McConnell, you don't want to have a government shutdown fight on the budget bill over our body and our children. I know you don't give a darn. But Ukraine is like God's gift to the world. Okay, so let's have a government shutdown to defund Biden's energy regulations. You see what I'm saying? It, Ukraine is all punchline to virtue signal and distract from the genocide here at home because they're not even doing what it takes to fight Putin. And the reason we're in this position is because they allowed Republicans and Democrats to rot out America from within. Now, folks, very appropriately, our next segment is sponsored by Policy Genius Life Insurance. So <laughs> we're going to give you some life insurance data. But um, a lot of people are dying. A lot of people are dying early. It's shocking the excess deaths that are taking place. You need to shop around for life insurance. Um, a lot of people don't want to think about it, but often coverage from your job is not good enough. People usually need 10 times more to properly provide for their families. Um, typical life insurance obviously gets more expensive. And believe me, because of what I'm going to share with you, um, it is getting more expensive as we speak. If you go to policygenius.com slash Daniel, answer just a few questions about yourself. It's very quickly, within five minutes, you'll get a full workout of how much life insurance coverage you need, and it will compare personalized quotes for the best price. So Policy Genius is not a life insurance company. They're an aggregator online, makes it very easy. You could save up to 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. I've, I've done that. Um, and it's, it's very simple. They don't bother you. They don't sell to third parties. They don't spam you. Their licensed experts will help you understand your options, apply for a policy. The Policy Genius team works for you, not the insurance companies. That's how they make their money. Um, so they're unbiased. Since 2014, they've helped over 30 million people shop for insurance and placed $120 billion in coverage. Head to policygenius.com slash Daniel to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much they could save you today. So, folks, what am I talking about? There's earth-shattering news that, unfortunately, is, is going to get swept under the rug. This is what I was worried about. We're gaining momentum. We had, obviously, the, the convoy. And more news is coming out, the whistleblowers. I, don't, I hate to use the word satisfying because it's horrific what has happened, but that already happened, the genocide. It's satisfying intellectually that at least the truth was starting to come out. That if you look at the convergence of multiple data points, okay? DMED in the military, VAERS, life insurance, health insurance billing claims, Medicare data, Israeli surveys, <clears throat> they're all coalescing around a very close number of degree and to, uh, of quantification of vaccine injury that is shocking the consciousness. Shocking the consciousness. 
our government knowingly committed genocide on multiple fronts, and I will stand behind that any day. Imagine if I tell you, you know, our government just gave hemlock to everyone in America. Oh, Putin, Ukraine, Ukraine. Are you kidding me? Let's start with the first one, life insurance. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Watch. Every day now, this is going to trickle out, but everyone's going to be distracted. No one's going to care, and not a single Republican legislature will change a single policy based on this. This is how corrupt our government is. U.S. life insurers, as expected, made a large number of COVID-19 death benefit payouts last year. More surprisingly, many saw a jump in other death claims, too. Industry executives and actuaries believe many of these other fatalities are tied to delays in medical care as a result of lockdowns. So first of all, this is so funny that um, when it came to the lockdowns, they supported it. But now that the issue is the vaccine genocide and the genocide of lack of treatment and the create and the discovery of how the virus is created and what they're working on is the next iterations. That's the most important fight of our time. Oh, they're back to the lockdowns. Now it's okay to recognize the lockdowns cause damage. Here, here's the reality. I wrote about this at the time. The lockdowns, it was either people died at home of heart attacks immediately because they didn't get care, or it's a very long-term rolling effect. But what you don't have is a sudden, very sharp spike in death in 2021 coinciding with the rollout of the vaccines that's somehow from the lockdowns after the lockdowns were already over. Okay, so that's that's bull. But um, basically, in earnings calls, they were, they were on a call for their you know quarterly earnings. <clears throat> Global Life, Hartford Financial Services, uh, uh, Primerica, uh, Reinsurance Group of America, they all noted higher non-COVID nineteen deaths compared with pre-pandemic baselines. Okay, and they're lying and trying to be nice and say it's because of the lockdowns. Among among the non-coronavirus specific claims are deaths from heart and circulatory issues and neurological disorders. Think of the DMED data. Think of the mechanism of actions. Think of the anecdotal stuff. Think of the Israeli survey. Why would it be heart, circulatory, and neurological? That's that's spike protein. You could tell me that's COVID, but they're admitting that it's we have the COVID deaths quantified quite liberally too, because we all agree that there's a certain amount of inflation with incidental deaths being, but but we're counting all that as COVID, and still there's a massive spike above baseline. Okay. And remember, um, you know. Some of these will be the result of delayed care. They say this and that. But the reality is, this is absolutely because of, you know what? This is quite clear. Non-COVID-19 excess deaths jumped in last year's third quarter after negligible or modest counts in earlier quarters, some life insurers said. Third quarter. Third quarter. Okay, what, what's the third quarter? July, August, September. Okay, that's around when that came due. They noticed it was starting before, but it really accelerated then. And in everything we've seen jives with that. Third quarter, the survey shows that insurer incurred claims were 37.7% higher than pre-pandemic baseline with a nearly 50-50 split among the excess, right, between COVID and then non-COVID. As we well know, Delta, that's when Delta took off. Delta was pure hell. I would argue that is also a vaccine death, given what we now know about the leakiness of the vaccine, and the fact that it made the virus worse, 
We always knew that was going to happen. In totality, we have insane death in 2021 over 2020. After everyone was vaccinated, something is wrong. After we were had all the money and time and manpower in the world to prepare for the pandemic. Typically, a pandemic is at the beginning, you get hit the worst. How is it worse so much later? The answer, genocide on multiple fronts. The third quarter non-COVID excess claims were 19%. 19%. Okay? Now, you know what we don't have there is the fourth quarter, October, November, December. Those are going to be your booster deaths. And everyone I talk to that's an expert on a subject matter expert on this, they all agree that it's pretty clear the boosters pound per pound were more toxic, likely because of the stronger buffer. Um, because, you know, it seems like most people, the first rounds, they skated by it. I mean, a horrible amount of, you know, death and reactions, but most people skated by it because it lost its uh, temperature. I mean, this is what Brooke Jackson said yesterday during um, during our interview. At non-publicly traded One America Financial Partners, another group life insurance seller, claims for working age adults ran at about 140% of a pre-pandemic baseline during the third quarter. Okay? They claim about two-thirds of the excess deaths are COVID-19. But that in itself should trouble us. Why? After everyone was vaccinated. Folks, what's really going on, and it's my fear, is that these are the most important days and weeks in discovery of the genocide of COVID. Notice that they don't care about COVID anymore. Notice the power of the media to focus your attention and defocus it at a whim. People are stupid. People are like sheep in a, in a, in a pig pen. They'll just follow like on a nose ring with a with a rope just getting pulled along. They'll go about their lives in three seconds. COVID, 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 mask, mask, mask. Oh, now, oh, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Actually, I want to talk about COVID. Not just COVID fascism. Not just the vaccine. But people are, did you know that with a week left to February, there are more COVID deaths this month than February 2021, which is astounding. Why? The dirty little secret is, as I warned and I called this in July, August is when I started talking about this. I said it's going to start with the unvaccinated, this enhancement created from suboptimal antibodies that are very problematic vaccinating into an ongoing pandemic, and it will eventually hit the vaccinated worse. And the reason they no longer want to talk about hospitals and, I mean, this was their favorite thing, panic porn, right? This was their favorite pastime. Suddenly they don't want to talk about it. They're like, how dare you not be concerned with Ukraine? Because the vaccinated, sadly, are getting hosed because their immune systems are completely wiped. That's what they don't want to talk about but we're going to continue talking about that. Let's go to um, huge, huge information yesterday. Let me uh, get this. Germany. Right after we did a show on the Israeli data, we have the German data coincides with this. This is a big deal. Okay? Um, a large German health insurance company, BKK, they insure about 13% health insurance. About 13% of Germans, it's a publicly uh, regulated German healthcare company. They have data from 10.9 million insured individuals. There's 10.9 million people that they service. They published, they sent a letter to the German government and then they had an interview with Die Welt. Die Welt, or W-E-L-T, German paper, 
this is an English translation. According to our calculations, we consider 400,000 visits to the doctor by our policyholders because of vaccination complications to be realistic to this day. Extrapolated to the total population, this value would be 3 million. So they're looking at their health insurance claims because here's what's very interesting. Doctors are very reluctant to report something to theirs. Their VAERS system is um, it's run by the, the Paul Ehrlich Foundation, okay? P.E. Paul Ehrlich, or no, Institute, P. Paul Ehrlich Institute. It's a government, no, it's a government agency responsible for basically VAR. It's kind of like the German VAERS. And they only have something like two, I don't have the exact number, but something like 250,000 or so adverse events. Because doctors are too scared, too intimidated, too stupid to put it in. But you better believe that when it comes to billing insurance, you're going to get the truth. Oh, they're going to want to bill it all right. So they're telling us in Germany, there's only, and this is nothing to sneeze about, but only about 250,000 adverse events. And we're told, no, that's an overreporting. You can't trust these things because it's not verified. These like VAERS type of systems. And we're like, what are you talking about? Studies for years have shown that it's, it's woefully underreported. So if that's what we're seeing, that means is a Holocaust taking place. Well, BKK, this is, um, it's not the chairman, but it's a board member of the BKK insurance, Andreas Schofbeck. He wrote a letter and he revealed these numbers. 400,000 clinical consultations. So not just adverse events, but enough that they went to and sought medical care for it. Now, remember, BKK, BBK, I'm sorry, BBK Health Insurance, they're not the entire country. They're responsible for 11 million policyholders. That's why they're saying if you extrapolate their experience across other insurers, which there's no reason to think that BBK would get more vaccine injury than anyone else, their policyholders, nothing to do with them, extrapolated, that's 3 million. If you would extrapolate that for Amer the American population, that would be 12 million. 12 million doctor's visits. Okay? Because of the vaccine. Their punchline is that's around 10 times higher, 10 times higher than the official figure from the Paul Ehrlich Institute, their VAERS system. 10 times is what they're saying. We have 23,000 reported deaths in America on the VAERS system. 10 time underreporting. Do you know what that would get you to? 230,000 deaths. But I'm not done. What time period did this cover? It only covered through August. Before the the reason why that's important is <clears throat> Germany didn't even start with most people outside of maybe healthcare workers and certain eligible populations with the vaccine in April, until April. In other words, what we were doing in January, what Israel was doing even December, UK, continental Europe didn't start until a few months later. We talked about this before because Pfizer shaked them down, and they were like, what the hell, we're not paying this much money. But then they saw they had no choice, so they eventually gave in, but it was delayed. Now, once they did it, they did it quickly, but it was, so a lot of their data is factoring in that the first quarter of the year was no excess vaccine deaths because they didn't even have it. The reason why this is significant is all through August, September, October, November, December, those those final four months of the year is when you had the entirety of the boosters and then a huge clamor to vaccine because that's when you had the mandate started too. So all the people who didn't get the original ones had to get the original ones. So any data that we're working with whether it's the, the life insurance companies in America, um, the health insurance in, um, in 
Germany, it doesn't include the mandate take up and the boosters. And, and again, there's reason to believe the boosters were even worse as witnessed by the Israeli survey of booster reactions, right? They were, they were insane. Literally 5% of all people random, randomly surveyed had nervous system disorders from it. A half a percentage, a full half a percentage had Bell's palsy from it. Nuts. Okay? A third of a percentage were hospitalized from it. Right? That, that's even higher than what we're estimating with 12 million hospitalizations in America, 3 million in Germany. That's even higher. So the point is, what this demonstrates is likely... 230, well, not 230 because we had more recently, but let's say two, 200 million, 180, 200 million, 200,000, sorry, 180, 200,000 vaccine deaths before the booster take up. And that sounds about right. What is it after the boosters? Could be 300, could be 350. Who knows? We'll find out. And those are the immediate things. Now that we know all about that, what about the long-term? Microclotting, neurological, immunosuppression, autoimmune, autoantibodies, cancers, things like that. And by the way, connected to this, Reuters has an article, the global life insurance industry was hit with reported claims due to COVID-19 of $5.5 billion in the first nine months of 2021 versus $3.5 billion in the whole 2020. Think about that. What does that tell you? That in itself is a measure. Forget about the vaccine. How much is COVID? How much is not? With the biggest vaccination thing in the history, take up in the history of, of humanity. We are, it's not double. Well, it probably it is almost double if you probably include the last quarter, which we don't have. Probably wind up being close to double the insurance claim payouts. Some of that's COVID. But that in itself should raise questions. Why did the virus qualitatively get more aggressive, which anyone who has dealt with this so clearly at the clinical level, which I have done by, by working with these doctors to get so many people treatment, it unmistakably got more aggressive in many, many different ways, pathophysiologically, timeline, the demographics that it, that it attacked after, after the critical mass of people were vaccinated. And then straight up the injuries. And you want me to sit and be concerned about freaking Ukraine. And, and folks, to underscore this point, just weaving the two issues together, ironically, Russia announced that they're banning all gatherings and protests. Literally what Canada just did. Okay, like, this is what I understand. Oh my gosh, look at Putin. And people are yelling about it. And the irony was lost on them. You look at even some of these legacy conservatives and Republicans. They had not a word to say about Trudeau taking someone like Tamara Lich. Organized, sacrificed for a protest. Whether you agree or not, it's, it's the spirit of what democratic countries were founded upon. She did nothing wrong. They seized her bank accounts, locked her up without bail. Where are we talking? Shouldn't we? I mean, by that measure, shouldn't we be talking about invading Ottawa? Which I wouldn't mind. We should probably annex Alberta and Saskatchewan, get the Keystone Pipeline, and then give them the Northeast and the West Coast. So give Canada the West Coast, Northeast. We have a contiguous area. We take Saskatchewan and Alberta. I really think that would work out for people. You know, these are the type of solutions we need to think of, just self separating. But, you know, more seriously, what I'm just saying is that this is in our own backyard. They don't care. That's the thing about these conservatives. They, they have, like, a certain set of ethos that they developed 50 years ago, and they, 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 they don't know how to live in the world they live in today. Like, if you care so much about Putin and foreign policy, we've done shows on this before um, with our Latin American expert. Do you know that Putin is, like, crushing it in Latin America, all of them, Iran, Turkey, China, Russia, they're, they've set up shop in all these Latin American countries right on our doorstep. 
right? I mean, but but that's not a punchline. The media doesn't talk about it. It's not virtue signaling. So they don't know. They don't care. It's whatever the media tells them to care about. I'm mean, saying if you're worried about Russia being a threat to us because they're you know taking over Ukraine, you should worry about what they're doing in Latin America. But we never care about our own hemisphere. We never care about our own border. We certainly never care about our own people in our own country. Everything's backwards. I mean, th- this is the thing. How am I supposed to get excited about Putin when we literally have fascism in our own country? We have political prisoners from January 6th from the trucker convoy in Ottawa. While we have criminals being released, look at the, we have to stand for morality. He, you know, everyone's like, isn't it terrible? Of no fault of their own, no aggression. They're doing nothing wrong, and the Ukrainians are under attack. I'm like, dude, how do you think we feel? Of no fault of our own, people are wrestled to the ground by police, dragged off of planes for not for not doing something that in itself was wrong. Their livelihood destroyed. Troops kicked out of the military for not getting a shot. And all of these neocons and Republicans and, and legacy kind of you know myopic conservative thinkers and talkers, they had nothing to say about it. No problem. Oh, we have an obligation to sacrifice and then, no, nothing. Like they're saying with, um, they, won't, they won't lift a finger to fight it. We can't even get legislative attacks, much less something more robust. And folks, again, I, I, I promise you, I bookmarked this yesterday. Yeah, it came out yesterday. An article I wanted to share with you, the hours late, before Russia invaded Ukraine. But it ties in beautifully to my whole thesis today. It's from Task and Purpose, kind of a military-focused media website. Task and Purpose. Title, Pentagon worried the Nintendo generation can't survive boot camp because their bones are weak. Okay, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Now, it's not really the Nintendo generation. They were pretty strong. Gen X. Gen X were, were awesome. Those were the good guys, like Lieutenant Colonel Peter Chambers type of generation. The older Gen Xs, um, the guys that really fought in the Gulf War, they're all being thrown out. It's more the Xbox generation, I would say. But the point is taken. The DOD has once again shown its age and its disdain for those uh, Dagon, Dagon kids and the Dagon Nintendos. An early February press release put out by the military health system took aim at 18 to 25 year olds and suge- suggested that they're having a hard time making it through boot camp because their bones are brittle from playing too many video games. Today's recruits are coming from a far more uh, sedentary lifestyle compared to previous generations, making their skeletons more prone to injuries because they're not used to this kind of intense activity they will face at basic training. And folks, there's truth to that. But what do you think exacerbated that? COVID fascism. Look what it's done to our children. I, I, I talked about this two days ago. It's not just the good guys being kicked out from Gen X, you know, being kicked out of the military. It's the Gen Z. It's the teenage boys that will be the future of the military very soon. The ones, by definition, and I'll, I'll say it blatantly, it's not a perfect you know, correlation, but you know what I mean. I mean, which kids are going to be the toughest? The ones that have the diaper on their face every second and running to get a jab when they're 15 years old with an experimental shot that that even before we knew everything had a net negative cost-benefit analysis or those that are refusing to get it? Well, the latter group, they're banned from the military. So with what and with whom are we going to deter and counter Russia anyway? So we have to deal with that. You look at the language development problems. My sister is a speech pathologist, talks about this. The drooling, the developmental issues of the kids, both from being out of school and because of the masking. It's, it's cataclysmic. Meaning, the physical stuff is true. But the, it's the mental toughness, the emotional toughness, the values, the soul. It's not... You could have a Gen Z kid that's a total... His brain is a, is a loser, the part of the homosexual culture and everything. But he's, you know works out in the gym and has big muscles. And you could have the boys of Omaha Beach. Not all of them were necessarily that physically strong. It's the mental toughness that's even more. I mean, it's true what they're saying with the physical stuff. There's no question. But this is even bigger. And that includes emotional health, mental health, mental toughness, 
and your values and your souls. It was America's fabric and soul and values and sense of purpose and right of wrong that was imbued in our military in World War II. And I think it was still there in our Gulf War era, kind of Gen X generation soldiers. But after Norman Schwarzkopf, Tommy Frank's era, they were the last four stars. It was over. I'm sure you guys have seen this, but there's this video circulating all over the military, all over the internet. It's It's been, been around for at least a year. It juxtaposes a Russian military recruiting ad to an American one. And the Russian one, it has a tough male kissing his wife goodbye and going off and doing tough training. All sorts of stuff, jumping out of planes and whatever, you know, fighting in, in, in the cold uh, snow. And then it had the American one was a female defend, manning our missile defense system who was raised by two moms in their view. And it's just like, oh, my God. That, that's even more. It's not a matter of your muscular skeletal strength even. I mean, that is like you, you can't. Like I told you, I cried over it. I mourned over it. But it's over. We, we, we could debate when that point was, but certainly after COVID fascism, it's over. America is a, is a maggot-infested carcass at a governmental, organizational, political, corporate level. And unfortunately, that includes the military as an institution at, at the top levels. So we don't have anything to counter them with. It's the culmination of everything. There's an article I want you guys to read. Just came out yesterday, very timely. DOJ shuts down China-focused anti-espionage program. Biden administration is shutting down a Justice Department program that focused on countering Chinese espionage. Officials say the three-year-old effort known as the China Initiative was being started by Trump was being cast aside largely because of the perception that it unfairly painted Chinese Americans and U.S. residents of Chinese origin as disloyal. I've always said our biggest national security problem was immigration, espionage, trade theft, all of that. Islamic immigration, Chinese immigrants. Not that all Chinese immigrants are a problem. They're not. But we had way too much of it, way too much of the student visas. We've done a bunch of shows on that. So much espionage. They rotted us out. So what do you want? Daniel, Daniel, this is not just about Ukraine. Uh, Putin's going to take over all of Europe. And uh, China's now looking, and they're going to they're gonna march right into to Taiwan. I'm like, dude, I agree. It's a problem. But you're very either, depending on if, if it's a leftist or a legacy conservative, either complicitness in this or just ignoring the proper way to deal with this, this is the end result. Putin and China raising the flags on the foreign stage. I am worried about it, but it's one of many things. What about the emotional, mental, physical health of our children? What about the homosexual agenda? What about our culture, our values, our military, our freedoms, our fiat money? Our, our, our health care system, our doctors, our hospitals, our FDA, American drug companies, what they're doing to us. It's all part of the same corruption of both parties. And it's true of every Western democracy. They're all frauds that destroyed Western civilization. Putin and China didn't destroy Western civilization. They are the logical result of that destruction. So that's the thing. I'm not weak on Putin or think he's great or don't care about him. I'm certainly not weak on China. But America is China. Our, our, our leaders are like Putin. Except in all the wrong ways, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Meaning they're like Putin you know, subjugating us and authoritarianism. But not in terms of him at least caring about the strength of his country, if not individual people. Here they destroy our country. They destroy our military. They destroy our values. They destroy our, our traditions. So I don't know what to tell you about that. But that's where it is. The way we're going to fight this is having strong red states. Not just first domestically and then, and then 
foreign policy. And the nexus of that begins with energy independence. I call upon every red state governor and anyone running for governor in a state and anyone in the state legislature to immediately take up the mantle if you are in a state that is particularly, I mean, every state has some degree of production, refineries, whatever, whether it's coal, whether it's natural gas, oil. Obviously, you got, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, I think, you know, North Dakota, you know, these are the 800 pound gorillas in the room, you know, Balkans, um, New Mexico, Wyoming. I mean, certainly a lot out west. They need to tell the feds to screw off. Then I'll take you serious about you taking Putin as a threat. But if you're not going to call for that, then, then what do you want me to do? We are in the position we're in because all the things people like me advocated for at the time they could have been done weren't done. They, weren't, they, they, they were ignored. So it's too late. We're going to suffer a certain amount geopolitically, national security, culturally, certainly economically. But trying to then resuscitate those things like sanctions or whatever, it's too late for that. That's not going to work. It's going to cause more pain than, than good. The road is recreating what they call toxic masculinity in parts of the country where a majority of the people agree with us, but the elected officials are corrupt as hell, we need to get them out, and we need to re rebuild and replant there, and then we could be strong on the, on the national stage. It all comes together. Don't get distracted by foreign policy in a vacuum, by Putin in a vacuum, by Ukraine in a vacuum. It's not that there's no degree of importance to it, because I think there is. It's one of many results, negative consequences, of the corrupt Putin-like figures in our own government, state, and federal. That's the reality. It's a problem what Putin's doing. It's not the most imminent problem. Do you want to know what the most imminent problem is? At a minimum, we have millions of Americans right now that are suffering from covid long COVID, and long vaccine with a government cover-up to block any ability to detect, diagnose, and treat all three of those things properly. That is a humanitarian, that we're talking about humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. That is our own humanitarian crisis. That is life and death. And that has to be dealt with now. And then trickle down economically. We're going to face an economic catastrophe, which is going to be humanitarian with inflation. States have to lead the way. That's the only solution I have. It all gets back to that. Why am I, I kind of like a one idea guy as all well, state sovereignty? Because you can't, there, there are plenty of things we can and should do if you put me in charge of the federal, federal government. We're not. We have no ability to do that. It's, it's over with. Remember, the CIA was spying on Trump while he was president. The FBI missed every single national security threat. But meanwhile, the FBI and DHS view people like you and me that don't believe in toxic masculinity, critical race theory, COVID fascism, and global warming. We're a security threat. You tell me how you're going to counter Russia with the assets we have. And then the manpower, there certainly are some dwindling amount of great warriors left in our military. But look me in the eye and tell me, do you really think, let's just say, just put, it, put aside the risk-benefit analysis, let's just say just pure theoretical war games, we have a kinetic action directly against Russia. Do you think we'd win? You know, I always grew up proud as a kid, like we have the strongest military, and it was never questionable. Ask yourself this, how many countries could beat us in a direct conflict? Okay? You're not going to fight them with critical race theory. You're not going to fight them with the Amazonian Brigade. You know? You know, you know they're like, Daniel, we need to do I'm like, do something. Take all your Amazonians that fought for women in combat, destroyed our military... Step up to it. Go. 
We'll, we'll make an all-voluntary female force. Go. We'll send you. We'll, give you. we'll give you as many supplies as you want. Go face the Russians. Bottom line is, what happened last night, what's happening right now in Russia, Eastern Europe, didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. It was years in the making of every European country plus America rotting itself out from within, making itself dependent on Russia for for oil and gas, gutting their military's physical prowess but soul as well. And then on top of that, you have this antiquated corrupt NATO alliance that was poking Russia with no with no strategy and no end. So, well, yeah, well, what do you want to do now? If you have toxic masculinity, well, I guess maybe you could screw with Russia a little bit. But you can't do both. You can't emasculate your economy, your culture, your freedoms, your military, your values, and energy, and then say, hey, we got to fight Russia. Well, good luck with that. So anyway... I'm going to you know, keep on our same, um, same schedule. We're going to keep focusing on what we're going to focus on. We're always going to focus on the most important points at a given time, and some of that might intersect with this, and I do think no matter what, we're, we're going to have an energy crisis, um, whether we like it or not. So it does. we do have to focus on, on what's going on there in that sense. But again, the focus is not there. The focus is in the mirror. Why are we not drill, baby, drill? Why are we not doing that? Do it at a state level. I'm going to be working with, with states. I want you guys to flood your you know, governors and legislatures, especially if you're in Texas and Oklahoma, North Dakota. North Dakota should get in a special session. They're not in session now. Deal with that. Um, much more we left on the table. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.